Hi, my name is Joel Knox. I'm the senior pastor at the Vineyard Church of Brenham in Brenham, Texas. I'm so glad you're interested in our podcast. This media is completely free to you, so you can share it with anyone else however you'd like. Our church is located at 1401 South Bluebell Road in Brenham at the corner of Tom Green Street next to the Bluebell Creamery and across from the Bluebell Aquatic Center. You can also find us on the web at vineyardbrenham.org and on Facebook and Twitter at Vineyard Brenham. Anyway, thanks again for stopping by, and I hope you enjoy the podcast. Isn't that a good song? Okay, we're, we're testing, I don't know if we've told you this, but we've, we found this app, it's called Ava, and we're using it to help us to communicate with the deaf. So I, I'm testing my phone to make sure it's on, Is, you're able to, so they're able to read what I'm saying pretty much in real time. So um, anybody can download it. Anybody can download it. And you can, you can use it. it. It allows for conversation so you don't have to, to send and receive like you do on a text message. It, it'll allow you just to communicate instantly. So, so we're, we're, we're working to, to be able to communicate better. Awesome. So, um, the other benefit is that people can also bring it home and then they can review what the message is being, what was said in the message. So that's been really cool for me. Yeah, Okay. So, so we're working on that, and, and we're, we're hoping to be able to, to um, integrate it in with our system once we get the TVs. Hopefully, it'll allow us to do kind of like captioning. So, um, so anyway, we're, we're, we're trying to use the technology that's available to us. So um, this is an experiment. I've never done this before. So, um, so if, I, if I mess with my phone, don't, don't mind me, okay? Well, that was the gospel group. The Blind Boys of Alabama, along with their special guest, Vince Gill, and they were singing, Can You Give Me a Drink? You might recognize the song. If you, if you hang around here a little bit before the church service, we have our bumper music, and this is one of the songs that's on there. There's actually several Blind Boys songs. There's a couple of Vince Gill songs, you know, just, just bumper music just to... You know, to kind of create a welcoming atmosphere, you know. And uh, the Blind Boys, they're, they're, they're one of my favorites. Vince Gill's one of my favorites, so I, I'm glad you obliged me there this morning. Well, I'm beginning a new series today that's going to carry us into Lent, the Lenten season. And if you're not from, um, say, Catholic or... Anglican, Episcopal type background. Lent is a time of preparation for Easter. And I actually had never heard of Lent until I started attending a vineyard church. And it was actually kind of neat. The first year that we were attending the church, they talked about Lent. And, you know, the, the thing you do when you go through Lent is you give up something for Lent. <laughs> right? And, and that the idea that, that, that preparation for Easter, you're, it's, it's kind of like a fast. Maybe you give up chocolate or give up sweets, coffee. I mean, any number of things. And you give that up 
in order to prepare your heart as you get closer to Easter. And, and, and I'd never done it before that year. I, 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 don't, I forget what I was fasting, but by the time I got to those 40 days, it, it was, I, I, I felt really energized and I was looking forward to Easter. So that, that's the idea behind it. So this, this series is going to be leading us into Easter. And the title of this series is Engaging Risk. Now, I've been talking about a lot of risk in the past, what, 8, 10, 12 weeks? Well, I don't plan on stopping anytime soon. Because I think, I, I'm, I'm beginning to believe that risk is native to the kingdom of God. I mean, think about it. God put everything on the line whenever he sent Jesus to come and save us. I mean, there was no plan B. It, what, what if, you know, somehow humanity messed this up? You know, there was no backup plan. Jesus was it. God laid it all on the, all on the line whenever he sent Jesus. And he gave everything to save us. He gave us everything. The scripture says that he's given us his son. What else is there left to give? And so I'm beginning to see that risk is central to the kingdom of God. Trusting God to meet us as we step out in risk is all part of his plan. So I want to, I've been doing this for the last several weeks. Does anyone have a testimony of, of a risk? Diane, see, Kenny, you got the, the mic? No, no, it's okay. It's okay. We'll, 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 just so you don't have to. And we're also recording, too, so this will be on the podcast. I'm old. I move slow. Yeah, that's okay. It's okay. Okay, well, my, I want to share something I saw when we were worshiping, but last night we had dinner with a couple who God has restored our relationship with just because Villard was obedient in risk uh, reaching out in an uncomfortable situation, and it's really just gone on. He's that's his story, but I'm getting a part of it. Okay, but that's not what I want to share. In worship, um, and it goes along with what you just said, so I feel like I'm supposed to share it. In worship, it was just like a flash of a lantern pushed from light into darkness, and then when I looked closer, um, this the light was like a brilliant um, stage. It was just filled with light, and the audience was dark, and then this something pushed this lantern into the darkness, and it clicked to me even more when you said about the risk God sent in sending his son. There was no backup plan, but it's like God has risked the kingdom to the body of Christ, pushing us into the darkness, which is the audience, which is the world, you know, observing and looking at the body of Christ through the church. And anyway, it's just cool. It kind of tied in with what you just said. That's awesome. Thanks for sharing that, Diane. Yeah, one of these days we're going to get Villard to talk about the, the risks that he took. But I'll, I'll leave that to, to you for your time. So whenever you're ready. Anybody else? You would you like to, like to just give a testimony of, of something that might have happened this last week? Well, I'm going to be... At, and, and at the end of, of our service, I'm going to ask for y'all to pray with me. Um, this Thursday, I'm going to be leaving to go to Panama for two weeks. 
Uh, our church is part of the Panamanian Partnership. We're in a partnership with two other churches, the um, a Vineyard Church in Klamath Falls, Oregon, and the Vineyard Church of Conroe, and us are supporting four churches that are in Panama. And uh, so I'm going as, as a guest, kind of a look-see to kind of see what's going on and uh, kind of report back. There's going to be some opportunity for ministry involved. And uh, I... I talk a lot about risk, but it, 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 it's a little scary for me to like go into a, like a new environment. So, so I'm going to be getting you to pray for me at the end of the service. But it, it's a risk. But, you know, at the same time, I'm looking forward to it, but I'm nervous because, you know, I don't know what to expect. So, um, so anyway, any, anyone else have a, a testimony? Amanda, real quick. That's okay. Yeah, Kenny's going to bring you the mic. So some of you guys know this already, but most of you don't. So, um, so Jeremy took a new job in southeastern New Mexico, and he's been there for two weeks. And we've been talking about moving so that we can be together as a family because um, Scott's just really been working in our family's lives big time. And so he had some time this past week where he wasn't as busy working, and we kind of were looking around for houses and what we could do and figure stuff out. And um, God provided us a house that's in a great neighborhood that's going to fit our family, that they're going to let us lease temporarily until we can get a mortgage together to purchase it. And just all this stuff is falling into place. And so we're moving in like three weeks. And um, it's shocking, but it's a huge risk for us. Um, after the ups and downs, but God is just orchestrating everything so amazingly, and it's such a blessing because we're going to get to be together, and in almost 12 years of marriage, we've only lived together for like three years of that, Um, so we're moving again to somewhere where we literally don't know anybody, (laughs) and all the supports that I have in a lot of different ways in this area and with the kids, like I don't think there is any of that there. So it's going to be an interesting adventure, and we're taking this risk because we just feel like God is moving us. Um, so it's exciting, but it's super terrifying at the same time. But that's it. Let's see. Kenny, um, Pam had raised her hand. I, I, yeah, go ahead, Pam. I, I'll, I'll... Well, I just... Yeah. <clears throat> came to me when, when Diane was sharing that, uh, what she saw about uh, the light pushing back the darkness, and, 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 and she was having an, like an evangelistic idea of that. But I really felt, too, that there's like a personal dimension for us here right now, today in this congregation, that, that the Lord is doing that. He's pushing back darkness in our lives. He's bringing light, new light, salvation, grace, uh, doing miracles in areas that we've been struggling with. That we're, we're seeing him push the darkness back in our lives. Yeah. Amen. Well, Amanda, I, I want to make sure we pray for you 
before before we leave today. Yeah, it, it's. Did, did you? No. Oh, oh, oh. Okay. You 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 raise, you raise a hand in here. You're going to get called out. So, uh, okay. Saw it out of the corner of my eye. Well, the song that I played for you, conveniently enough, is my title this morning. Can you give me a drink? Risk connecting with somebody who's different from us. Now, if you've ever tried to connect with somebody who's different, it takes us out of our comfort zone. Would you agree? We might feel awkward, unsure about what we're going to say. We might not know how to act. Like when I get nervous, I don't know what to do with my hands. <laughs> I've kind of learned how a little bit, you know, speaking in front of you all, but, but when I get nervous, it gets pretty bad. We might even wonder in the course of, of trying to interact with someone if we might have made a mistake in attempting, in just trying to connect with them because it's so awkward. It's so different. It, it, it's, it feels so weird. You know, did we, did we make a mistake by stepping out? But it's all necessary to make a connection. Now, my text this morning is about being willing to be uncomfortable. I'm going to be reading the entire passage from John chapter 4, which is the story about Jesus and the Samaritan woman at the well. So I'll have the text up here for you to follow along, but this might be a little awkward. I mean, you normally don't read this many verses of Scripture in a service. And it might, it might actually be sad that we don't read that much Scripture publicly anymore, but we're going to read this whole entire passage. And I'm not going to comment on all of it, but anyway, let, let's go ahead and read together. John chapter 4, verse 3. So he, referring to Jesus, left Judea and returned to Galilee. He had to go through Samaria on the way. Just make a note of that. Eventually, he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar, near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Please give me a drink. Will you give me a drink? Can you give me a drink? He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you are a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you're speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said, and this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, 
Do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh, bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water. Then I'll never be thirsty again, and I won't have to come here to get water. Go and get your husband, Jesus told her. I don't have a husband, she replied. And Jesus said, you're right. You don't have a husband, for you've had five husbands and you're, you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. So, tell me, why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship, while we Samaritans claim it is here at Mount Gerizim, where our ancestors worshiped? And Jesus replied, believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship, while we Jews know all about him. For salvation comes through the Jews. But the time is coming, indeed it's here now, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship Him in that way. For God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, well, I know the Messiah is coming, the one who is called, the, called Christ. When He comes, He will explain everything to us. Then Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. Just then his disciples came back, and they were shocked to find him talking to a woman. But none of them had the nerve to ask, what do you want with her? Or why are you talking to her? The woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village, telling everyone, come and see the man who told me everything I ever did. Can he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came streaming to the village to see him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging Jesus, Rabbi, eat something. But Jesus replied, I have a kind of food that you know nothing about. Did somebody bring him food while we were gone? His disciples asked each other. Then Jesus explained, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. And you know the saying, four months between planting and harvest? But I say, wake up and look around. The fields are ripe, are already ripe for harvest. The harvesters are paid good wages, and the fruit they harvest is people brought to eternal life. What joy awaits both the planter and the harvester alike. You know the saying, one plants and another harvests. And it's true. I sent you to harvest where you didn't plant. Others had already done the work, and now you will get to gather the harvest. Many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the woman had said, He told me everything I ever did. 
And when they came to see him, they begged him to stay in their village. So he stayed for two days, long enough for many more to hear his message and believe. And then they said to the woman, now we believe, not just because of what you told us, but because we have heard him ourselves. And we know that he is indeed the Savior of the world. Now, isn't that an amazing story? Wouldn't it be awesome to be part of something like that? I mean, an entire town got turned on to Jesus in just a matter of two days. We don't know how big the, the little village's sidecar was, but it, it's, it's safe to assume there were several hundreds of people who were affected by Jesus' message. And I want you to see that this, this incredible scene was made possible by Jesus' willing to, willingness to connect with someone who was different from him. In this case, a Samaritan woman. Now the history of the Jews' hatred, and it was hatred of the Samaritans, it's a complicated one that goes back into the Old Testament. And you can read a little bit about it in, in the books of, of 1 Kings and 1 Chronicles. Solomon was, was king, and Israel had experienced unprecedented growth of their kingdom. It was, it was a world power at the time. Well, Solomon died, and he left the kingdom to his son Rehoboam. And so Rehoboam wanted to exert his power as king. And so he made some declarations, and it made the people that were part of the outlying territories afraid of, of him as their king. And it led to a split. And then there was a king by the name of Jeroboam who was raised up, and he... he, he based his leadership of this divided kingdom, the northern kingdom as it was called, it was based on idol worship. And then later on, whenever Israel went into captivity and whenever Judah went into captivity, those that were in Jerusalem were taken off to Babylon. Well, those who were in the Samaritan territories, they, they were actually inhabited by their invaders. And so over time, they adopted their ways, they adopted their culture. And then whenever the Jews returned from their exile, they saw the difference in the culture that had essentially taken over the territory that they had left. And so they were in this division from that point forward over a period of hundreds of years. So to say that the Jews despised, I mean, it's strong words when you use the word hate and despised. But those were the kinds of words that they used toward the Samaritan people. And when Jesus, if you remember, we've got the parable that Jesus taught, the good Samaritan. 
in the Jews' eyes, there was no good Samaritan. They were all bad. They were all evil. They were unclean half-breeds, is what they were called. And the Jews believed just being around them could defile them as religious Jews. Now, the interesting thing about this is that the, the territory of Samaria was directly between the town of Nazareth, where Jesus was from, and the town uh, or the city of Jerusalem. A straight line between the two went through Samaria. Well, most Jews preferred to avoid going through Samaria, which involved taking a trip that normally lasted a couple of days, just add on another five, six days by foot. They would rather go the long way around than to pass through Samaria. Now, does that seem ridiculous? Have, have, have any of us ever tried to avoid somebody? Have you ever done that? Maybe it's somebody that you see in the grocery store. And you see them, and, and so you, you go all the way around to avoid coming in contact with that person. Or like when I was a kid, there was, there was a, a, a kid in the neighborhood who didn't like me. I don't know why. And uh, he told me at one point that he didn't even want me riding my bike on his street. So I would take the long way around to avoid contact with this guy because you know, I, I didn't want to get beat up. But this is the kind of thing that, that the Israelites and the Jews were dealing with at this point in time. Now, our text says that Jesus had to go to Samaria. Now, this is the translation that I used, but the original language gives the sense of being compelled to go. In other words, he felt like he had to go to Samaria. It was kind of the same way whenever he felt he was compelled to go into the wilderness, whenever he went out for his temptation. And the interesting thing about this text, it's being told by one of the disciples who was there, John. He was one of Jesus' disciples. And so he's telling this story in hindsight. But I can imagine that while the, the disciples were there with Jesus and they're getting ready to go back to Nazareth, well, they're expecting to go around and Jesus said, no, we're going to go through Samaria. And then they started grumbling about it. I don't want to go through Samaria. And they started complaining about, well, the, the people who were there, why do we have to go through Samaria? And all the grumbling that went along the way, well, you have to go to Samaria because Jesus wants to go through Samaria. You know? You know how it is. You, you, you don't want to do something, and so you, you, you grumble about it. Well, John tells the story, and he says that when they got there, that the disciples went on into town to find some food. And so Jesus is hanging around. The, the well was on the outside of town. And so he just wandered over to the, the well and sat down and waited. And then the text says that it was just about noon, and then the lady shows up. Now, the interesting thing about gathering water, now, in, in the Middle East, you know, noontime is one of the, the hottest times of the day. You know, it, it, I mean, if you're going to do some, some work when it's hot, 
you probably want to do that in the morning or in the evening. You know, you're going to mow the yard. Don't wait till noon. You know, start at like 7, 8 o'clock in the morning or wait until 5, 6 o'clock in the evening because you don't want to deal with the heat of the day. Well, most people in, the, in this village went to get the water at that time of day, but this woman went in the middle of the day because she didn't want to make contact with anybody else. Now, it's a small town. People knew each other, and they knew her story. You know, if, if, if you've been married five times and you're, and you're living with, with someone that's not your husband, that kind of reputation follows you. I mean, yeah. let's, let's be honest. So she went to the well expecting not to see anybody there, and she was just going to go and get some water and then go back and go on about her life. And then she comes in contact with Jesus. Now I want you to see three things about what Jesus and his interaction with this woman. First of all, it was a cultural no-no to do what he did. Jews did not approach Samaritans. To do so, it was, you just didn't do it. Jesus initiated contact with her. And the second thing that Jesus did, he asked her for a drink. Now, already, the Jews wouldn't approach a Samaritan. They certainly wouldn't be asking them to give them something to drink. And Jesus didn't have anything to draw water from the well, so he was going to have to drink from this woman's bucket or from her dipper or whatever it was that she used to dispense the water. Now, John doesn't tell us whether or not Jesus drank from the water that this woman drew from the well. I mean, we can, we can think about it. The text doesn't say so. But whether he did or not, simply asking her for water demonstrated that he valued who she was. He actually spoke to her. He saw her. He acknowledged her. And the third thing here, and, and this is kind of alluded to in the text, you can kind of read between the lines, it was culturally taboo, like not just a no-no, but like this is reprehensible for a man in the Jewish culture to speak to a woman who was not their wife in public. I mean, we see this throughout the Middle East, and it's one of the things that, that is brought up in, 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 in Muslim cultures and it's one of the things they talk about women being oppressed well this was the kind of oppression that was active in this this time consequently the way that it was seen in the culture was Jesus approaching her was akin to propositioning her in a public place she's a woman by herself he's a man by himself that's why the disciples responded the way that they did. What, what, what are you doing with this woman? But they didn't say that. They were thinking it because they were afraid to say something. But we, we also need to acknowledge the fact that Jesus didn't act appropriately to, inappropriately to this woman. He validated her and he treated her with respect, something that she had never experienced in her entire life. 
And Jesus was willing to make himself uncomfortable, even to the extent of being misunderstood, even if it made him look bad. And it would have made him look bad if anybody else had been there. But he did it in order to make a connection that allowed him to demonstrate to the Samaritan woman that he was the Messiah. And that was the bigger play that Jesus was after. Now real quickly, we know that timing is everything, right? You know, just a matter of moments can even mean life and death sometimes. Well, just as Jesus was getting to the payoff, he's just told her that he's the Messiah, and the woman is responding to that, the disciples show up. And they don't know what's going on, and they're, they're thinking all the things we've just discussed, that what's, what's, what's Jesus doing with this woman? And just as they get there, the text says the woman just ran off. She left her bucket, she left the, the dipper, and she just ran off. That doesn't look awkward, does it? And to break the tension, the disciples asked Jesus if he was hungry. Started talking about food. You know, because that's what they they went to get food. And the way Jesus responded, it had confused them even further. Are you hungry? How how did you get something to, to eat? Well, no, I want to show you again what Jesus said. Because this is the point that I've been trying to get to. Is that my nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me from fit to, and from finishing his work. You know the saying, four months between planting and harvest? But I say, wake up and look around. The fields are already ripe for harvest. Diane, your, your, that picture that you shared is just, uh, when you were, you were saying it, it, it just dovetails in with, with what I'm talking about. If you, if you watch the news, you listen to the talk radio, whatever, all you're going to hear is doom and gloom. There's no good news. I, I'm just here to tell you. My mom watches the news every night. She doesn't want to miss it, and it's all bad. There's nothing good about the news. And I get my, my information from social media. You know, somebody shares something on Facebook or wherever. But even that's bad. And some of it's worse than what you would see on the news. What I want us to do is to take off, to take our eyes off the bad news and reach for our kingdom spectacles and see what Jesus saw that day in Samaria. Because God's on the move. And we just need to know where to look and what to be looking for. So I want to ask, how do you want God to use you? Have you ever thought about it? How do you want God to use you? Where? When? Because like Jesus said, the fields are ripe. 
And even when it's dark, even when things are, are bad, that's when the light shines the brightest. You know, just a, a flicker of a light in complete darkness can brighten up that, the darkness. It dispels the darkness. Now, are we willing to be a little uncomfortable? Are we willing to take a risk? Because Jesus is ready to show us a, a harvest that's just right outside our doors. I want us to, to wait on the Holy Spirit. We're going to minister to each other. But I want to give us an opportunity. Maybe you might get a, get a word from the Lord or something that you'd like to share. So just for, just for a minute, let's just, just wait. Come Holy Spirit, speak to us today. Jordan, could we see where's um, we'll get you the mic? Hold, hold on one second. <clears throat> Thank you, Beverly. Okay, it's it's kind of in line with what Danielle had said when she was singing about I'm going to go into my childlike singing. Well, as I was sitting here, I was reminded of the childlike song that we've sung, This Little Light of Mine, I'm Going to Let It Shine. And in our Bible studies on Wednesday and this morning and, and uh, the Bible study, we've been talking about choice. And that song basically is a decision. Mm -hmm. I'm going to let it shine. Yeah. In other words, I'm going to give it permission. I'm not going to hinder it. Yeah. I'm not going to shade it. Yeah. I'm going to let it shine, which is the Spirit of God. Amen. And um, that's, that's just kind of how I felt. That's good. Amanda? I was in the grocery store last night, and there was an individual that I saw, and, and 
my brain immediately went to judgment of what I saw and, and negative judgment of the person. And, and I felt this kind of tug. Um, I liked the pants that the person had on. They were real bright and colorful. And I just went up and said, hey, I really like your pants. They're really colorful. And, and you know, had a real brief interaction. And, and I walked off and just kind of had the thought that, you know, that was... I felt really warm inside because that snap judgment that I made of a person that I don't know and don't know anything about their situation and kind of getting that feeling and just choosing to, to say something that hopefully brightened that person's day a little bit, um, walking off and just kind of going, okay, you know, because that was a person I wouldn't interact with normally. And, and I have absolutely no idea what came of that and absolutely no idea what that person felt, but it was just something that I was glad that I heard that little nudge and shut my judgment off and chose to be kind instead. Yeah. So. We chatted a little bit. She, you know, just a real brief, just kind of, you know, bright-eyed and, you know, comments about how long she'd had the pants and, <laughs> you know, and it was just, well, you know, oh, well, they look really good. And, and that was kind of the extent of it. So, you know, it, so it just was, it was just kind of a weird small little thing, but. You know, well, that, and, and the thing that we've been saying since we started is it doesn't have to become some big thing like, you know, did you lead her into this, the sinner's prayer? Or, you know, I mean, that, that, that's kind of how we think. But it, God can use the least little thing, the least little gesture. And who knows what, what God will use that for. It's just up to us to, to respond whenever we feel like God is nudging us to step out and take a risk and, and make that connection. Yeah. Jesus just asked for a cup of water. Yeah. That's right. He just asked for a cup of water. So, yeah. Well, I pulled up to a little boy on a bicycle the other day and asked him if he wanted to race. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Well, you know, and, and, and the thing is, I mean, we, we've, we've gotten so, I mean, and this is, this is an effect on our culture, that we're afraid to interact with someone, you know, because who knows what might happen. And, and that fear keeps us sometimes from, from being willing to, respond to what God is showing us to do. So it, it, it is out of the normal, but you know that that's what that's what we've been called to. Anybody else? Can I share something? Sure, sure. So yesterday I went to uh, the park. <laughs> and hi, that's awkward. Yeah that is awkward. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> So um, anyway, all right, we were there, and there was a woman who came with four kids, and she was making noises that made me think she was deaf. Sounds just like my mom. So there, were other, there was one other family that was there, and they promptly left. And so I, she made eye contact with me, and I said, are you deaf? She said, yes. And sometimes... I've had I've had people when I've said, "Hey, you deaf?" They've said yes, and then they they leave <laughs> because they feel embarrassed. I don't know what. Anyway, 
they didn't want people noticing, but she chatted with me for a while. And then later, um, I was letting her know about our church and, uh, turns out she, I talked with Regina and she had said that she had met her before and she had come to our Easter service last year. So I, I didn't know that, but so I gave her, um, a paper with our church name and all that stuff. Well, when I was leaving, she had read it and she noticed me and she said, Hey, you didn't put what time it was. What time is it? So I was like, oh, okay. So it was, it was the, what you were talking about, culturally, people didn't know what to do with her sounds. And mm-hmm. so they left. Uh, but I reached out and said, hey, I know you. And she, I mean, instantly felt comfortable. She went from the corner of the playground to the center. And then asking me what time church was made me think, okay, maybe that's another seed planted and maybe later it'll grow and she'll come that's what it's about praise God all right well here's what I want to do Amanda I'd, I'd, I'd like for you to come and get prayer if if you're if if you're here and and you need to make things right between you and the Lord I want to give you an opportunity to do that today. We don't need to make a big production of it. You can just come and someone will pray with you and you can, you can make things right. The other thing is maybe you, you'd like to take risks. It's my hope in the, in the, in the, the 40 days, and it's actually, we're, we're a, few, a couple of weeks away yet from, from when Lent starts, but it's my hope as we get closer to Easter, that we we grow in this area of risking. You know, we, we've got the outreach that's coming the, the Saturday before Easter, and this is going to be a great opportunity for our church to participate in the community. And it's all about reaching out. And reaching out involves a risk. But I want to encourage us to do that. And, and the more we do it, the easier it is each time to step out and take that risk. So if you'd like someone to pray with you about taking risks in, in, in your, your life and in, in your circumstances, then I, I want to invite you to come for prayer. And the third thing, if you're dealing with pain in your body, if you're physically in pain right now, you need to receive prayer. And we want to pray. And, and who cares if it's been... 15 times and it still hurts. Well, let's pray again. Okay? So let's stand together. Holy Spirit, I invite you to come. You're here with us already. Come and have your way in this room, in this place. At this time, come Holy Spirit and rest on your people. If you need to make a Make things right between you and the Lord. I want to invite you to come. If you'd like some prayer for, for risk that, that's going on in your life, I want to invite you to come. And while we're praying, I want to get somebody to pray for me for, for my trip this week. I, I'm, I, I'm a little nervous about flying, to be honest. And, uh, and just also going into a new culture. So, um, so I'd like for... I'd, I'd like for you to pray for me. I'm going to say a, say a little prayer, and, and, and this, this is going to be sickum. Come, come and pray. 
So if you, if you need prayer, come and, and receive prayer. Don't, don't leave without getting someone to pray with you. Dear Jesus, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your desire for us to know you. Thank you, God, for, for taking the risk to give us life, for taking the risk to send Jesus to bring us your life. We ask you, Lord, to pour out your spirit on us today. Let us experience your presence. Let us experience your power. Let us experience your healing and your restoration in this room. We give you thanks. We give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're coming for prayer, come on to the front.